announced the Michael K. Show 20th anniversary celebration at the Times Square Palladium, November 18th. Tickets on sale now at kshow20.com. WEPN-FM, New York. From the ESPN studios at Pier 17 in the Seaport District of New York City, this is Greeny with Mike Greenberg on ESPN Radio. You can also listen and watch the show on the ESPN app. Happy, happy Thursday to one and all. Dan Grassa in for Greeny. Right here on 98.7 ESPN. 800-919-3776 if you want to be a part of Greeny Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. Call us at that number. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper. The one fans deserve. Ray Dinahan and Anthony Pusick, they're my buddies. They're along for the ride. They're producing the program today. We'll take it for... Two hours, right up until noon. Then you got Bart, you got Han, you got the dynamic duo known as Bart and Han right here on 98.7. Hope everybody's having a great start. You want to get me on Twitter? Feel free to do so at Dan Grasa, G-R-A-C-A. A week 11 of the NFL gets underway tonight with actually, you know what, a pretty good game. At least on paper, it's a good game. You got Tennessee, who's a first place team. They're going to Lambeau Field, which is, of course, one of the hallowed venues in professional sports. And you know what? The Packers showed a little bit of life last week, right? They got up off the mat against the Dallas Cowboys. So maybe this is the beginning of their turnaround. We will see. I'm not a thousand percent convinced. I think they certainly have a tough road here. But Tennessee comes in all beaten up, injured-wise. So you know what? Maybe the Packers win this one tonight. We shall see. Short week. But at least it's a little bit more appealing than the Thursday night games we got the last couple of weeks here. So that'll kickstart a week 11. And a big one for, of course, the locals, the Jets and the Giants, as they continue to steam towards what I would say are probably... Is it fair to say improbable postseason births? At least what are in sight in about eight weeks from now, we'll see. Giants certainly on paper have an easier game this week than the Jets do. Giants are going to be a favorite at home against the Lions, who, you know, still have their issues despite the fact that they won two in a row. And the Jets are going up to play the Patriots, who they haven't beaten in, let's see, 13 straight times. Somebody, Some people probably weren't even alive the last time the Jets beat the Patriots that are listening to the sound of my voice right now which is quite the commentary, I would say. It's good to get them started early, too, by the way. Um, So we'll get into the football, of course, a little bit later on in the program. But we got to start with what happened in Denver last night. And I don't know how many of you were actually awake to see it, because it was late. You know, that's what happens with these West Coast games. And I'll tell you something. I got to do a little bit of digging. You know, I got to maybe make some calls and try to get some facts and some details. I don't know what was served. I don't know what was said. I don't know what was in the water at that team dinner that the Knicks held a couple of nights ago when they got out to the West Coast because you know what? Apparently it has the magic potion in it because now the Knicks are an unbeatable force. This is a team that looked about as hapless as you could look in their building on Sunday, giving up a buck 45 to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Now they go out to the West Coast and you're thinking gloom and doom. You're playing Utah, who hasn't lost the game at home. You're playing Denver, who hasn't lost the game at home. Back to back, a tough trip, especially if you're not used to playing out there. Those are difficult games. Anybody around the NBA tells you that is a brutal trip. You know, you factor in the altitude and that type of stuff. Those are tough games. And so if you're a Knicks fan, you're thinking, man, they ain't going to go well. You know, you hate to think in these terms, but you're, you know, based upon what we saw on Sunday against Oklahoma City, 
I mean, you mean to tell me the thought didn't creep into your mind that if things go really, really bad and continue to snowball out on the West Coast, that maybe, just maybe, there could be some changes that are going to be made? Maybe with the head coach? I mean, you never know. You don't want to see those things happen. But, I mean, it was a possibility because two of the previous three games that the Knicks played were virtual no-shows. The disaster in Brooklyn last Wednesday and then on Sunday where they played no defense whatsoever. But then something happened, right? Something switched, and I don't know if it was the team dinner or not. But, you know, for argument's sake, let's say it was. It was a magic dinner. Knicks now all of a sudden look like a competent basketball team. Now, give the head coach some credit, right? If we're going to kill them when they don't play well, you got to give them credit when things are going well. He shortened his rotation the last couple of games. They're only playing nine guys, and they're getting legitimate contributions. And last night, Julius Randle turned into Julius Randle from a couple of years ago. The guy who was the most improved player in the NBA. The guy who was all NBA. That the fans at Madison Square Garden, when they were allowed to come in and watch games that year, started the MVP chance. He was the toast of the town. He looked like that guy last night. Not just on offense, but on defense, too. And you know what? It's good to see that being the calling card again for this basketball team. The last two nights in getting victories in both of those gyms, how about the defense in the fourth quarter? I mean, you're watching that game last night. They're down by 10. What about, what, seven, eight minutes to go in that game? And you're thinking, oh, there's no way they're winning this game. Ah, there's no shot. And this was a Nuggets team that didn't have Nikola Jokic. But I don't care. You know, it's the NBA. Right? Guys aren't playing 82 games. We live in a load management society. And I know Jokic, it wasn't load management. He was sick. But the game still counts. You shouldn't apologize for this win. And I don't think the Knicks are going to, nor should they. It was a quality. It's tough to win on the road against a good basketball team. Like I said, one that was undefeated at home. And you had to come from behind to do so. And you made the plays necessary. And I mean, my gosh, 2006? 2006. Think about what you were doing in 2006. Think about how sports looked in this city in 2006. The last time the Knicks actually won a game in Denver before last night. That's something. So you know what? Got the first two on this road trip. Fantastic. Now get a little bit greedy. Right? Don't stop there. You got Golden State coming up next tomorrow. All right. See what's happening to Golden State? You see the way this team is playing? You got Steph Curry going out there scoring 50 points and they still lose. They're a mess right now. I know they got a, uh, you know, a ring to show for it last year and they got a trophy and everything, but my, I mean, they haven't won a game on the road. Think about that for a second. They're the defending champions and they're 0 for 8 on the road this season. Unfortunately, the game tomorrow isn't on the road. It's in San Francisco, so Knicks have to deal with that. But so what? They weren't supposed to beat Utah. They weren't supposed to beat the Denver Nuggets, and they did. So who's to say that they can't go toe-to-toe with the champs? But these were two huge, huge performances by this team. Huge. They needed these wins. So you got Golden State tomorrow. Then you got Phoenix on Sunday. Tough game. And then on Monday, you go back to Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City, who nearly put up a buck fifty on you just a few days ago in your building. You want to say payback? You want to say revenge? Say whatever you want. How about just show up? Show up. 
And I'll tell you, you got to deal with that SGA fellow again. Because you know what? He had a pretty special night last night for the Thunder as well. Putting up 42 in a victory in D.C. against the Wizards. He's good. He's really, really good. But you know what? If Julius Randle is going to show up like he did last night on a consistent basis, then maybe that alters the perception and the outlook for this team. Because, you know, I talked about it last night a lot. Knicks have good players. You know, a couple of guys on their best day, you could call them, you know, very good players. But I don't think it's to the point where you get overly greedy and think that this team should be anything more than they are because they don't have that great player yet. They had an opportunity to go out and get a couple of great players. They didn't feel like closing the deal. So the likes of Brunson and Randall and Barrett, they're good. They're good. You could win games with them, but you're not getting to the promised land. And I think that the Knicks are realistic about that, and maybe the fans should be too. And I'll tell you about Cam Reddish. I was waxing poetic about him last night. Even in last night's game, you look at the box score. All right. It's not going to like totally wow you, right? He only took five shots. Didn't really do much offensively. But you know what he was? He was a plus 13. Played almost 40 minutes last night. He was a plus 13 in that game last night. Tops out of any of the nine guys that actually stepped out on the floor for the Knicks. There's something about this guy. And I think that the Knicks realize it, and they're going to try to ride it out as long as they possibly can. And you know what? Even though he only took five shots, think about how big he was down the stretch defensively for them in the fourth quarter. That's what this team's identity has to be. If the Knicks are going to do anything this year, they are going to have to commit to playing defense. That's why games like Sunday were so frustrating. Because that was a winnable game against a young, rebuilding Oklahoma City team at home, and you basically didn't even show up on one end of the floor. That's why it was so disappointing. So if they get back to that commitment, and maybe it's going to be this West Coast trip that allows them to kind of get their head out of the clouds and be like, you know, okay, this is who we are. We're not going to be this team that's going to play run-and-gun basketball and is going to be able to just outscore the opposition. That's not the way it goes. We have to make a commitment to defense. That is what our identity needs to be. Tear from the head coach. Tear from the head coach after last night's game. Obviously, Julius Randle was the catalyst. Here's the head coach on Julius. You know, we knew it would be a challenge coming in with the back-to-back, and I thought the way Julius started the game gave us confidence that we were going to play well, and then the way he finished it, his hustle, his defense was unbelievable. And how about that defense? Coming up with the defensive stops, especially late in the game. What do you think about that, Coach? Yeah, Jamal's very tough cover. He's shifty. He's great touch and great off the dribble. So you, you have to play both shot and drive in their body position, mul- multiple effort, great hustle. We had a lot of hustle plays, winning plays in the fourth quarter. You got to do that. Got to do that in this league. And I know that it's tough. Think about it. Back to back in different cities. That's why this team should be applauded. I didn't think in a million years they would sweep both of these games after what I saw on Sunday. And I don't think anybody in their right mind would either. Jalen Brunson was asked, why has the defense been so much better these last couple of games? Uh, We've been together. Like I said yesterday, we're playing with a little sense of urgency, desperation. I think we're just not like pointing fingers when something messes up. We're just just trying to react and help each other out. I think that's just, we're building that and we're going to continue to build on that. And lastly, let's hear from the man of the hour, Julius Randle. He caught up with... 
Mike and Wally on MSG after the game and how were you able to pull off these last two wins? Togetherness, just sticking together, coming on the road where I was asked. I said it'd be a great trip for us just to get together, um, spend time as a team and bond and get close and showing up on the court. So got to keep it going. That was a good win. Really and truly was a good win. Now, I don't know what to expect tomorrow at Golden State. I really and truly don't. Am I confident? Of course not. You know, that team still plays well at home. And then you're going to Phoenix over the weekend, which is a buzzsaw, right? I mean, pound for pound, if you're talking about the Western Conference and the way things stand, I mean, would you put, you know, you'd put Phoenix up against anybody, against anybody. That is a very tough team to play, especially in their building. All right, so let's say you don't get the next two. Rubber match of the road trip, essentially, is Monday night in OKC. I know it's not exactly a battle of titans and a battle of the heavyweights, but you know what? Go out there with some professional pride and try to play better than you did on Sunday when you basically embarrassed yourself against that team. Because even when the trip is over, and I keep talking about this, when they come home, that is a gauntlet of teams that they're going to have to face. Let me pull up the schedule real quick. You know, Portland, Memphis, then they have a stopover in Detroit, and then they come back home again, and then you got to play the likes of, let's see, Milwaukee, Dallas, Cleveland, Atlanta. That is a brutal stretch of games. That's what the Knicks' next 10 games look like. So you better keep stacking up these wins as much as possible because it only gets harder from here on out, even though you're coming back home. You can make the case the games you're playing on the road are more manageable than the ones you're going to be playing at home. 800-919-3776. That's the telephone number. Do some Knicks talk when we return. And we also got to get into the latest in the baseball hot stove as well as a little bit of a controversy brewing, which has caught the attention of the Major League Baseball Players Association as it pertains to the two baseball locals involving one of the marquee free agents amongst the two teams. That's interesting. Talking Knicks. You know what? They've won two in a row. Back-to-back triumphs in Utah and in Denver. Next up, the Golden State Warriors coming up tomorrow. But let's hear from you at 800-919-3776. Christian Westchester. He's going to be our leadoff hitter this morning on 98.7. Chris, how are you? How are you doing, man? Thank you so much for taking my call. Cool, Chris. What's going on? Hey, all good. You know, it's 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 great to see what's going on with the Knicks right now, but, you know, nobody's really talking about the loss of Mitchell Robinson at the moment. It's almost, you know, painful to get through the Western Conference, all these young, athletic, lanky centers. Without Mitchell Robinson, it's tough. You know, Sims should be the first man up Hartenstein at times. You know, he looked lost. You know, and then just the plus-minus with R.J. Barrett. Like, what's going on with him? Like, Truly, is he sick? It's our number three overall pick. You know, I'm just kind of confused, but we skated through these two games, so not really sure what Tibbs is going to do. No, Chris, you're right, and thank you for the phone call, my friend. Look, here's the thing about Mitchell Robinson. They're getting nothing out of the center position right now while he's hurt. And I think he's missed off the top of my head, what, it's like six or seven straight games? They're getting no production. You know, Hartenstein's a nice player, but he should be coming off the bench. He shouldn't be starting. 
All right, and I think you're starting to see that get exposed a little bit. It's no different than the utility guy in a baseball team. You know, he might get hot for a couple of days if you've run his name in the starting lineup and he, you know, gets two, three hits a game. But then once you put him out there consistently over like a two-week period, you start to see the holes in his game. And other teams go to school on that. And then all of a sudden, he's an offer every time he steps into the batter's box. Like that, That's kind of like the situation here with Hartenstein. He shouldn't be eating up all of these major minutes. And I mean, even last night, he only played like 20 because you're not getting any production out of him. None. Plus, he was getting into some foul trouble. I talked about Sims last night before the game. Like I, I thought he gave you good minutes in Utah back on, I, I can't even remember the nights anymore, Tuesday. I thought he was pretty effective in that game. I like what I see from him. The problem with Sims is he's still so raw. You know, he just needs time. He needs development. He needs minutes. But the problem is, is they're trying to win. I know that they have a lot of young players and they have young talent, but it's, it, it's not like an apprenticeship here. You're not just giving away minutes and say, okay, go out there and develop. Who cares if you make mistakes? Who cares if we lose games? Because that's what we're here for, to develop young players. That, they're trying to win. You know, so if Sims can develop and contribute in the same token, you know what? Then he's going to play. But if not, that's where the minutes aren't going to be found. Now, look, he's already limited this rotation, and I have no issues with that. None. Because who right now is the guy who's nailed to the bench? It's Evan Fournier. And I got no, I, I got no gripe on Evan Fournier, but we know what he is. You know, it's not like he's this revelation. And you don't have to feel sorry for him. You know, he's getting paid handsomely to sit there on the bench. And that was a mistake. It was a mistake that the Knicks made by giving him all that money. Evan Fournier is what he is. Evan Fournier is a guy, I said this last night, Evan Fournier should be back playing with a team like the Orlando Magic. You know, let him start on a team like that, a young up-and-coming team that's trying to build around their young superstar rookie and Paolo Banquero, guys like that, and, and, and let Fournier play his, you know, 30 minutes a game, let him chuck up a bunch of threes, and then he's going to finish with his, you know, 15 to 20 points a night, and then he could be making all that money. for. That's where Evan Fournier belongs. Not at a team like this, because the Knicks, even though they're not there yet, they're still a step ahead of the Orlando Magic, to where they can vie for a playoff spot. Orlando can't. So I don't know. I mean, or, uh, the problem with Fournier is, is, is somebody going to take that contract off your hands? Right? I mean, down the road once you get to the trade deadline because they just can't have him rotten on the bench. Now, Grimes, I don't know what to make of Grimes. They've already said that we're not sending him to the G League. That they think it's more valuable for him to be up here with the big club and to get those minutes while watching it up close, practicing with the Knicks. Because you say to yourself, well, send him down to the G League, send him to Westchester, and he could go out there and play major minutes, work on his game, get into more of a rhythm. Okay, you can do that, but the Knicks feel that that's not as beneficial as him being with the club. All right, fine. But I want to know why he's not playing. You know, Fournier, I get. But Grimes is supposed to be one of these guys who's one of your future pieces. Grimes was one of these guys that if you believe the reports over the summer, whenever the Donovan Mitchell name came up or, or, or the Knicks were looking to trade for any sort of established veteran around the league, Grimes was the guy or one of the guys that these opposing clubs wanted to get their hands on. And the Knicks were steadfast in saying, no, 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 no. Can't have Grimes. No way. He's too valuable. He's too young. He's got so much upside. Both ends of the floor. Well, then why isn't he playing? Why isn't he playing? 
I know that he was bothered by the foot thing in training camp, and that got him off to a slow start. And remember, they brought him back in like the first couple of weeks, and he played one game, and then he had to sit again for a couple of games. It's like start, stop, start, stop. But now you don't hear anything necessarily that the foot is still an issue, but he's not getting into the game. That's the only one that I kind of want a little bit of an explanation for. And he mentioned R.J. Barrett, too. He, look, R.J. supposedly is sick. Not suppo- I mean, he, I'm not doubting him. I mean, he's sick. You know, and he's out there gutting it out, and he's doing the best he can, and he hasn't played well these last couple of games. They even said last night that Julius Randle was a little bit under the weather. But he went out there and, you know, was the key to victory for them. R.J. hasn't gotten it going, maybe... By the time they touch down in San Fran tomorrow and they tip it off against the Warriors, they'll be feeling a little bit better. And, you know, he'll start to look more like the player that we know he can be. The R.J. Barrett discussion is a deeper discussion than just what we've seen over the last couple of games, right? I mean, he's the guy that we probably talked about more than any other player on this team over the last several months because R.J.'s name was very prominent over the summertime whenever the Donovan Mitchell stuff came up. And that a large section of this fan base did not want to move him for Donovan Mitchell. Well, you know, I, I, I don't want to pour salt in the wound here. But the question rhetorically I just keep throwing out there is, has Donovan or has R.J. Barrett done anything so far in these first 15 games of the season that is making you feel even more confident in your assertion from over the summer that we got to keep this guy because the upside is so high? Hadn't to me. And I was one of the guys that said, send him away for Donovan Mitchell. Send him away. I like R.J. Barrett, but I am not a thousand percent convinced that R.J. Barrett's ceiling is as high as all these so-called Nick groupies believe that his ceiling is. I don't even know if he's going to be as good as Donovan Mitchell is right now. And then when he's having these performances like you've seen the last few days, well, remember something. Sunday, and I don't know how he was feeling on Sunday, but he didn't play very good on Sunday, and Tom Thibodeau basically nailed him to the bench for the entire second half of that game against Oklahoma City. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Hey, you know what? The Michael K. Show, they're celebrating 20 years on ESPN New York with a live broadcast and after party. It's at the Palladium in Times Square. That's tomorrow. Tomorrow, November the 18th, it's all brought to you by Calandra's Bakery, the Mohegan Sun Casino.com app, the U.S. Army New York City Recruiting Battalion, Fordham University Athletics, Coors Light, Keeping New York Chill, and Tullamore Dew. When it's time to celebrate, it's Tully time. For details and to purchase tickets, go to kshow20.com. I can't believe it's finally here tomorrow. So if you haven't acted on it already, what are you waiting for? Get in on it. Time is a ticking as they say. Mike in Manhattan is up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Michael, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Uh, it's Michael, yeah. Before you hang up on I'm me... I'm sorry, Michael. I'm so sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Listen, you. what are you doing? I mean, you, you're telling us that I'm the working. Knicks, what are you doing? Yeah, it should be bright and sunny because the Knicks won two lousy games 
after what is it? Thirty, depending on how you want to count, from mm. two thousand to now, or the last fifty years, they've n- no championships. It's not like mm. they haven't won two games. These are nothing games. Jokic was out. Utah is coming back to where they should be. Okay, there's no prospects on the Knicks right now. You mentioned Mitchell, the center. He's nothing. They say he's, he gets no, what does he do? 10 points and seven rebounds a game. And you're, but you go on and on about Grimes. If Grimes could play, he would be playing. Give Thibodeau credit for that. I think Thibodeau should go, but he knows who should be playing and who should not be playing. And you just go on and on belaboring these, these irrelevant points. RJ Barrett is what he is. Okay, and that's all he's going to be. He's not to blame. R.J. Barrett is not the problem. It's the other players who are. They're but not. Michael, they're not Michael, playing. Michael, Michael. I didn't know. Uh, but yeah, and if, if we listen okay, to you, part, let me. Just but Michael, finish. if we listen to you much longer, they don't have any other players. You just said to yourself, they don't have any other players. And thank you for the phone call, Michael. Michael, they don't have any other players. They're no good. Michael, they haven't won a championship according to you since 2000. It's actually 1973. And Michael, why is it such a bad win last night? I know that Jokic wasn't playing last night. He was sick. Sick happens. But you know what? When you haven't won in a place since 2006 and you go there and play each year, Michael, I would say when you get a win, it's a big deal. I know you don't be able to comprehend this, but I'll switch sports for you for a second. We'll go slow so you can understand, okay? Jets are playing the Patriots on Sunday. Jets haven't beaten the Patriots in 13 straight times. If they win Sunday, it's a big win. It's a big win. We going to make an excuse and say Tom Brady's not playing Sunday for the Patriots so it doesn't count? No, Michael. It's a new year. It's a new time, Michael. Michael. I mean, we don't give wins back in sports. You know, we don't. They count the same. Wins are good. They don't expire. Wins are not like a gallon of milk. Just because you get one in November, when you look at it in March and April, it's not expired. When you're stacking them all up and trying to decide, okay, who are the top eight teams that make the playoffs? If you get a win early in the season, that win still counts. Football teams that win games in week two or three, those count in January when you're adding up who the top teams are that get to go on and play postseason football. That's the beautiful thing about it. Michael... Nelson's in Long Island City. He's up next here on 98.7. Nelson, good morning. How are you? Good morning, buddy. How's it going? Forward or short, though, before I even get to my subject. Yes, you're right. A win is a win, and a win changes everything. But at the end oh. of the day, I want to talk a little bit about RJ. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, let's be realistic with ourselves. RJ is, came into New York City. He didn't come into Utah. He didn't come into you know, Indianapolis, New York City at 19, into a franchise that was down on a regression trying to turn itself around and go up. For someone, for you to say that he may have reached his ceiling, I don't know. I, I look at RJ. RJ is talented. RJ has all the surroundings, not in terms of the players around him now, but in terms of his own talent. But Nelson, Nelson, I'll let you finish. Nelson, I'll let you finish. Let me ask you one question, though, okay? Absolutely. This is already Absolutely. year, what is this, year three. three, year four? I can't even remember because everything got so sidetracked. Okay. When are we going to start to see the progression in the next step? John Morant, we've seen that already. Remember, he was taking one spot ahead, RJ. Zion, when he's healthy and on the floor, he's a beast. Like, I, the, the upside thing is I, I can only take it so long. Eventually, 
eventually we've got to see that next step because it's not like RJ right now can lean on one particular thing that you say, okay, while his offensive game is still taking some time to mold, at least he's locking it down on the defensive end. And he's not a great defender. So my point is, is when is he going to blossom into this so-called all-star untouchable player that a lot of the fan base views him as? I personally think if we give him the right time and the the right supporting cast, look, he may not be the great superstar, but he can be a superstar. Let's give him that time. Let's give him him that chance to develop. What I think RJ needs, he needs to be more aggressive. He needs to show more grit. Be a New York player. Every player that succeeded in New York became a part of New York. Ewing, Oakley, Starks. But what if that's not in his DNA, Nelson? You know what I'm saying? And I thank you for the phone call. What if that's just not who he is? RJ's not going to be this demonstrative, outward-going guy. He's very cool. He's very calm, right? That's just not in his personality. So if you say DNA, you can't be something or expect somebody to be something that they're not. That's not who they are. He's a good player, but I don't know if he's ever going to become that superstar franchise player that you are building around. Let me ask you a question. Right now, you have to put the farm on it. Five years down the road. Okay, you're a Knicks fan. Five years down the road. Are the Knicks ever on a consistent basis that if R.J. Barrett is still on this team, in the next five years, are the Knicks ever going to step on the floor on a night-in-night-out basis where R.J. Barrett is the best player in uniform on that court? Either side. Either side. If I'm a betting man, I'm saying no. Sorry. We're talking hoops right now. George is calling from Elizabeth, New Jersey. He's up next here on 98.7. Georgie, how are you? Hi, how you guys doing, man? I, you know, I'm hearing the chatter about RJ, man. I've, I've been a Knicks fan um, since the Patrick Ewing era myself, man. And I, I just, man, he's a mid player, man. You know, we missed on the draft. This is just plain and simple. He's a good guy. He's a good, you know, utility player. He he might develop to be a Kyle Lowry type guy eventually as his seal, but he, he's not a number two pick. And the reason you know, because you can't swap him right now with any lottery team for for their number one pick, maybe not even their number two pick, you know, and, and it's, it's a shame. And then we, 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 we hurt ourselves twice by not making that trade for Donovan, who will definitely be is, is a guy, even if you didn't see what he's been doing this year, that you you could get a number one pick for from a lottery team if it didn't work. And it's okay. You know, it's okay. He doesn't have John Stark's heart or Spreewell's skill set. But he might drop somewhere right in the middle where you could keep him. And later on down the line, you know, he'd come off the bench and, and drop 14, 15 for us. But he's, 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 he's not that guy, man. And, I, I, and I'm just being honest. He looks like a great kid and all that. But here we are in year three or year four, and he still looks like a deer in headlights when he's out there on the floor. Right now, uncertain if he wants to take the shot and, you know, all kinds of stuff, man. So he's, he's not that guy. And, and Nick fans just need to admit that, man. We should have made we should have pulled the trigger on that trade. We should have pulled the trigger. I'll tell you this, George, look, and I don't disagree with anything you're saying. And I appreciate the phone call. He might not be as flashy a name or as big of a household name. He's getting there. I mean, if you follow the league and you know the sport, I, I, I mean, he's right up there. But the dude who was at the Garden on Sunday, we've talked about it the last couple of days. That guy's a stud in the Oklahoma City Thunder uniform in Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Okay? He was the best player on the floor on Sunday. 
And on a lot of nights, he's going to be the best player on the floor. He is really, really good. Now, he plays in a tiny market in OKC. As I said, he's not a household name. Oklahoma City's not any good. And I know that he signed a contract extension because why would you pass up that money if you're a player in his shoes, right? But that's a guy that is there to maybe be had one day. And I can't see him losing or finishing out his entire career in Oklahoma City. He's eventually going to get moved, whether it's by his desire, the club might decide to, you know, rip it up again. Who the heck knows? And I don't want to pour salt in the wound either. But if you want to talk about near miss and guys you could have had and all those other things, let's not forget a few years back in the draft when the Knicks took Kevin Knox, SGA was still on the board. His teammate from Kentucky. He was still there. And he got picked two picks later. Right? Near miss. And I'm, look, when you, you know, George just said about the draft. And they missed out. That draft, though, what were you going to do? It wasn't a great draft. The two big prize were Zion and John Morant. The ping pong balls didn't fall the way that you wanted to for the Knicks. So they ended up picking third and they took RJ. You know what? They got a good player, not a great player. Now, you wouldn't be sitting here and we wouldn't be sitting here having this conversation if the Knicks had that great player already in tow. They don't have that guy, though, because then if you had, let's say, an SGA or, you know, Donovan Mitchell or something like a, a guy who is as close to a number one as you could possibly be, a one or a one A, then having a guy like RJ on your team, you say, all right, I can live with that because he's not being asked to be the best guy. He could just sort of blend in and complement that superstar. That's what this is all about. Richard in Jacksonville, up next, 98.7 ESPN. Richie, how are you? Good to hear you in the morning. What a treat. What's going on with you? What's up, Richard? How's things, man? All, all is good. I'm I'm calling to support my guy RJ Barrett, and let me let me say why. I think obviously the results have been the results. I don't think the results have been horrible. It's particularly I saw a lot of a lot of good play last year. But I just want to say this: it's just a slippery slope to do the whole thing where it's like, well, look at what Donovan Mitchell's doing in Cleveland. Look at what RJ Barrett's doing with the Knicks. If you flip those two players around and you gave R.J. Barrett the benefit of the balance on the court with those four other stars in Cleveland and you put you know Donovan Mitchell on, on the Knicks, I don't know that the Donovan Mitchell that you would see would look exactly like the Donovan Mitchell you're seeing in Cleveland right now. Well, now but, but, Richard, a, but Richard, the majority of Donovan Mitchell's career is with the Utah Jazz. And who, yeah. not for nothing, he didn't have as much overall talent beside him in Utah than he has with the Cleveland this year. Remember, the next, the other so-called all-star player that he was with in Utah, the dude was an old-school center who offense was yeah, not I, a part of his game. Yeah, I, I know that. I understand that. But I don't think that Donovan Mitchell looked quite like he looks this – like the way he looks this year is incredible. It's the right fit. Let me just say this about R.J. Barrett. I mm-hmm. think that the problem has been that more than any other player, he's had to adjust more to having Brunson on the court, who rightfully so is more ball-dominant now. It's been a bit of an adjustment for Randall, but he's a more – he's an older player, and he at least plays in the front court. R.J. Barrett shares a backcourt with a guy who's dominating the ball now, and rightfully so. But, you know, R.J. Barrett was used to having the ball last year. So I think he's just trying to figure it out. And here's the part that we – I mean, you say he's a good guy, and he is. I think based on the intangibles, you got to give R.J. Barrett the benefit of the doubt that he is going to continue to develop. I don't see anything in his makeup 
that tells me that he's going to quit or bail out and he's got the body type. He, he, there's nothing telling me that he can't be 20% better than he is right now. He's never going to be Morant or, 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 or Zion. We know we missed that, but he's still a good player. Is he, he ever going to be, Don- be Is he ever going to be Donovan Mitchell, Richard? No, but that's no. He will not. But he could get close to that, and he could be a two-way player. You're saying he's playing lousy defense. He has played good defense at times, and I think two-way players are the key to winning championships. It doesn't get a lot of hype, but you know, having that on the court makes a big difference. But he's not going to be the reason the Knicks don't win a championship. They got to put around him. Players, you know, it's not. It, they made that pick. Now move on. Now we just. Gotta, but here, but, but Rich, here's I, and I, look, we're speaking the same language, and I thank you for the phone call about the fact that he's not going to be the end all be all, which means he's never going to be the best player on a championship team. We agree with that. But here's the problem: if you're the Knicks, your goal is to try to get to that point. How do you get there? It's by bringing in the great player. You're not winning a championship unless you have a stud franchise player. The Knicks don't have that guy right now. But if you think that he is on another team, unless you hit the gold mine in the draft, and it's the perfect year and the ping pong balls fall your way, or else you absolutely get so lucky in the draft and get a Hall of Famer somewhere like in the teens or the 20s that falls into your lap somehow, some way that the rest of the sport was falling asleep on. But how do you think you're getting that player? You're going to have to give up something of value. And R.J. Barrett is a good player. We're not saying that he's trash. No way, no how. But you're going to have to maybe give him up if you want to get even better. And that's the point we were making and trying to make back in the summertime when Mitchell was available. Look, I know that R.J.'s young. I know he came into the league when he was 19 years old. But he's in his fourth year right now. And fringe, he's maxed out as a a 20-point-a-night guy. In his fourth year. What is he, 23 years of age? 22, 23, something like that? Okay, just he's, he's 22. He turned 22 over the summer. When Donovan Mitchell was 22 years old, in his second year, he averaged almost 24 points a game. R.J. Barrett ever going to be a 24-point-a-night guy? Is he? That's my only point. I don't know where you're going with this. And I don't think it's fair necessarily, like what Richard was saying, to say that, oh, Donovan Mitchell, look what he has around him right now in Cleveland. Yeah, duh, Cleveland's a good team, but Donovan Mitchell made his name in Utah, playing with the Jazz. And they had a two-headed monster with Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, but Rudy Gobert provided nothing for them offensively. Rudy Gobert is one of those like kind of fish-out-of-water guys in this current NBA He's a rim protector, defense rebounding. You know, like those centers, you know, he would, Rudy Gobert would have probably been more valued back in like the 80s and 90s. You know what I mean? As opposed to now. Not to say he's a bad player. He's an all-star, defensive player of the year, all those things. But I mean, like his true value probably would have been appreciated more playing in prior decades. Not now. So he was out there and doing his thing and scoring when he didn't even have all that much other go-to help, if you know what I'm talking about. We'll see where this thing goes. But this is a big year for him. Because you know what? The Knicks already put their faith in this guy, and they doubled down when they gave him the contract extension. And it's nice to be able to re-sign your own guys and to give them second contracts and homegrown players and all that stuff. But if you want to get better and if you want to go to the next level, you got to get some number ones in here. And he ain't a number one, at least not yet. 